Welcome to Songs and Stories, the not-for-musicians-only music podcast. Alrighty, welcome once again to Songs and Stories, everyone. I'm Michael Gaither, and this is Songs and Stories episode number 106 we're up to this time. Hope things are treating you well. I'm talking to you from a beautiful, chilly but beautiful spring afternoon here on the Central Coast. It's sunny, which is nice, because as if you've been following reports or if you're local, we've been getting battered with a wicked amount of rain the last month. But I think the the serious, nasty, noisy rains that are knocking down parts of Big Sur are gone. So it's just it's just pretty. In fact, I took a jog this afternoon and passed was admiring the the, the greenery and the, the, the commercial hives and the honeybees and, and a bee stung me in the head, which I don't know why I'm babbling about that, except that my head still itches. So we'll carry on and talk about today's guest. Today we're going to do a, a visit back to the, the fall of 2009 to talk to a very good friend of mine named Greg Kitchell. I've mentioned him a couple of times on here. I think he might have been here. Uh, oh, actually, we did a couple of live around the campfire things, several podcasts back, and I'll give you the, the numbers of those when we're done. But I met Greg Kitchell five, six years ago. I think it was longer than I thought. At the Wooden Nickel Open Mic, the open mic that I've been running for about eight years. He showed up one night and um, played a couple of songs, and he walked up there very very folksy and, and you know informally and said, Yeah, I'm playing. I got asked to, play to this, got asked to play this restaurant next week. I never played in front of anybody before, so I thought I'd try it here. And he went up there, and he was so unassuming and so comfortable and so confident. And he got off stage, and I said, "You're lying. You you you've, you've been playing this forever." And he goes, "No, I I just started tonight. I this is this I'm just doing this thing on Sunday." And we became instant, quick, fast, really close friends. We've been in touch ever since. Uh, and Greg has kind of an unusual schedule. He actually spends most of the year down in Todos Santos, Mexico, where he's building a house and he plays in local restaurants and cantinas. And he comes up here into California and Oregon um, from this in the spring and summer and does a few gigs and hits a few festivals and does a few things. And so we we caught up um, last September at the American River Music Festival, which I'm going to be talking about quite a bit in the next few episodes. Uh, it's in Lotus, California. It's held on the third weekend of September every year. And Greg, Greg played the the songwriter showcase that I host. He played last year on, on Friday night, and we we kept talking about doing a podcast interview. And finally, we were in camp, and I said, "Okay, let's go talk right now, or we're never going to do this." <laughs> so we did. So what we're going to do is uh, play a couple of things off Greg Kitchell's CD, uh, "Never Too Late to Do Nothing at All," which you can find at. As I nonchalantly click over here, gregkitchell.com. It's G-R-E-G-K-I-T-C-H-E-L.com. And he's up there. He's on CD Baby. I believe he's on iTunes, too. That's his debut CD. You can find out a little bit about Greg, too. You can also go to my site, michaelgather.com. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com. And uh, I was going to yammer more about Greg, but I think I'll just let the interview sort of explain who he is. He's a great storyteller, great songwriter. And and this conversation in particular was about uh, the kind of songs that we tend to write, he and I, because we both love story songs. We both love Americana. 
and we both tend to write in sort of very descriptive, um, literal kind of lyric writing that isn't really open to a lot of interpretation, but that's the kind of style that I like and what Greg's been writing about. And as I talked to him at American River, he'd just come back from a trip to Nashville and had some people look at his songs, and he was trying to maybe take a different approach to songwriting. And I think there are pros and cons to writing narrative, descriptive songs versus more open-ended kind of songs. And we'll talk about that again at the American River Music Festival from last September where this interview takes place. You're going to hear a lot of campground noises and stuff. But let's go ahead and hop to it. What we're going to hear is a, a couple of things off Greg's debut CD, and then we'll get to the talk with Greg Kitchell, and he'll talk about kind of his songwriting, his background, and then we'll kind of segue into talking about the festival. And I think when I'm done with Greg's chat, I'll give you a preview of this year's festival. But before all that, here's a couple of clips off his debut CD. Here's Greg Kitchell with Had to Go Back and a song called Graduation Day 57 Buick. Here's a little bit of Greg Kitchell, and then we'll talk with Greg Kitchell at camp. I saw my friend at the bar. He was half past drunk. He was drinking shots and beers. I said, man, what you doing? You've been clean and sober for what, 10 months a year? He said, yeah, I know, and I've been doing fine, but if I could stay straight, maybe half of the time I'll be ahead of the game, and it's enough for me to keep my mind clear. And I had to go back, I had to go back, I had to go back again. Tired of the coffee, I'm tired of the meetings, I'm tired. side of the road If I had half a brain I'd quit and I've tried But the half works about three quarters fried and the rest well is folding up under the load And I had to go back, I had to go back I had to go back for more We used to be cool, a bunch of rebel fools Now I'm just a crepit and old Facing death from cancer, coughing and Social pariah paid three bucks a pack And I had to go back I just had to go back for more Yourself a life, I thought. Grow up, act your age. But I tapped her out an email. I sent her down the line. She answered in an hour. Took me back in time to the spring of 1968. I was 17 years old. I had a 57 Buick nearly 40 years ago. We were high school sweethearts. Going to the dance, the loving spoonful of the Beatles, 
dancing clothes and holding hands in the backseat of my Buick. She smiled and told me, yes, I think about her often. I wonder how she is. That's been a lot of years ago. To me, she meant the world. I had a 57 Buick and a sweetheart of a girl. So we're finally doing an interview with Greg Kitchell after all these months. Man, I'm a great, <laughs> I'm such a great procrastinator. I can put stuff off forever, as evidenced by the fact that You're well, gifted. we've been talking about this forever. Well, I guess for the for the podcast listeners and my radio voice, um, you live down in Todos Santos, Mexico, for most of the year. You come up here to California and bop around the states a little bit in the summertime. We've been talking about doing an interview probably since June. I mean, I mean, uh, for a while, but seriously, this time. We'll get together in June. Well, I'm going back to D.C. for two weeks. We'll get together in July. Well, come by the house. And it's like, oh, you know, and then this stuff happened. And then it's like, well, here's this festival we're going to be at. Well, let's try to carve out 20 minutes. And, of course, we get in festival mode. And it's like, oh, barbecue and music. And so let's sit and talk, you know. All right. All right. Let, let's do so that. So this forest here is almost as pretty as my kitchen table. You know, we'll have to put up with it. But uh, we're sitting here in... Uh, Coloma, Lotus at the American River Music Festival. You're camping next to us, and we were up till what 11:30? La no, 1:30 last night. Yeah, yeah. No, I wasn't. I was in bed by <laughs> one. <laughs> so I hosted the uh, the open mic, you know, songwriter showcase from scheduled from seven to ten. It went to about eleven o'clock. You got to play in that, it and was, that was great fun. It was a lot of fun. The talent, heck of a talent. Woo. Oh man, man, it was professional musicians down there. A lot of those people were were just. This isn't like an open mic or even a, you know, a showcase, you know, because a lot of these people would never play in a showcase under normal conditions. Mm -hmm. These guys are, these guys are pros. Right. But they, <laughs> were, they were playing for, for three, there were three tweener spots to let be given out and three people got picked and out of 18, 16, something like that. And that was fun. So I've known you for, I don't know, quite a few years now. Um, but you have the wooden nickel. What is your music background? What did you, when did you actually start playing? I started playing guitar, and I started playing piano, I started playing, it goes back to single digit years, but I <laughs> couldn't really break the ice with anything until I, tar still I started playing guitar when I was about 14. Okay. And then just noodled on the guitar until I was, I don't know, kind of old, mm -hmm. never did anything seriously until I got into my 50s and I thought, mm -hmm. I can do this. And yeah. And, 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 and bought a good guitar, one that would play and one that sounded nice that I wasn't embarrassed to play. Which is a good argument for buying a decent guitar to start out with. It's an excellent argument for buying, go like a house, buy more than you can afford. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's a great argument for not buying a cheap guitar yeah. because it'll, always, it'll hold you back at every phase of mm -hmm. the game. Yeah. Good guitars are, are, are cheap now. You can buy good used guitars on the open market cheap. I just sold that D28. You sold the Martin. I sold the Martin, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Jody found a buyer for you. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. Jody found a guy good. and uh, got 16 for it. Good. So not a lot of money for the D28, but for the HD28. It's got the herringbone thing, but mm -hmm. it's what it's worth. So good. I wasn't taking it back to Mexico with me. Right. So you got some money to either like reinvest in music or just hang on to. <laughs> yeah, well, things have changed on my scheduling, so I might go to Hawaii with it. I can. Uh, I got on Expedia.com. I can spend a week in Hawaii mm -hmm. with an airfare, a car, and a room for a week. It cost me about 1200 bucks. 
Yeah. So, which <laughs> <Not bad. laughs> that'll, give, that'll give me four hundred bucks or give me a little money for the restaurant. Yeah. Which you know, it's cool because you know, starting out late, kind of like I'm kind of a late bloomer too. I mean, I, I started playing really in my 30s, you know, and so I'm a little behind you. But it's like starting late is okay. I think when you, at least as as for me, and you probably relate to this too, when you start playing later, it's like okay, I really want to do this now. I'm going to stop screwing around and actually do something with this. But it, it's true, and and for me, uh, now I see guys that have played their whole lives, and they made they've earned a living playing music, mm-hmm. and they're broke. I gave up some of that playing, but I got a little pension that I live on, and mm-hmm. uh, and that's kind of nice too to mm-hmm. to not have to worry about actually, you know, having a having that mortgage gun to my head and playing yeah. music for it. Yeah. Uh, and I see guys trying to trying to eat on what they're earning playing because mm-hmm. you know, they got nothing else going on. Right. 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 And when did writing come along? I've always been able to write poetry. Mm-hmm. I've always had a knack for rhyming things. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, uh, you know, I've just always been able, you know, put different words to songs and, mm-hmm. you know, make stuff up. So I've always I've always done that. Right. And then I started doing that kind of simultaneous with trying to play better. I started realizing I could write my own stuff. I didn't have to learn other people's songs. That was really similar for me, I think. For me, I start. I'm not really even being myself, but it's like start out doing covers, and it's like you. If you've been, if you've written before, you start writing your own stuff, and you play them more, you know. And I think what I found with my own music is that, you know, when you're first starting out, if you make a mistake in your own song, nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you actually forget and make a mistake on a song you actually wrote? No, that never happened. That's a myth. It's a myth. It never happens. They're all just letter perfect. I, I but, tell you. I tell you something that I found though. I was in Nashville. Hang on uh, for the golf cart. There's a golf cart trolling around the neighborhood. No, this is a. It's an RV. It's a Volkswagen bus. In in, in low gear, going up a fairly benign hill. <laughs> Just to, we're proving with the fact that we actually are outdoors. <laughs> Continue. He needs some muffler work. Uh, no, I was in I was in Nashville and I was talking to a pretty significant songwriter there, who's affiliated with the Nashville Songwriters mm-hmm. Association. And which I joined and is a great resource for yeah. lots That's of NSAI. stuff. NSAI. NSAI. And, and, and as we were talking, as for the first time, I really understood that there's a difference between writing a poem and presenting it while you're playing the guitar and writing a song. And, you know, where you... Elaborate on that. Well, you know, as we were talking about, maybe... Uh, and, and we talked about it a little bit. I thought about it some more. If you use your voice and you use a guitar... Mm-hmm and the music to create a texture, to create a mood, and then you use the song to create, use the words in the song. Perhaps not to be too literal with the words, but to create an outline that the listener can fill in, maybe with his own experience. Right. And, and then you come out with a richer experience mm-hmm. for the listener. And this is new thinking for me because I've taken stories and put them, you mm-hmm. know, Put them to rhyming in rhyming form and played the guitar while I told them. And, right, and it's a different which is kind why of you, a deal. Which is why you write great narrative story songs, and I think that's that's kind of what I try to do too. And I, I remember we had this conversation about I think someone told you that your stuff was too literal, exactly to like place in film or TV or just to get as a com- quote unquote commercial song. It was too literal, which I don't know. I mean and. You know, I'll play a couple of samples on the podcast as sort of as sort of an intro to you, but I think I think there's arguments for and against that. I mean, I think it's really good to be able to write 
things that are a little more open-ended that people can make it more subjective but then again if you're writing a song about parking your truck out behind a bar and you call it park it out back what the heck's so wrong about talking about it <laughs> you can make it a metaphor you probably could but you know why not just tell what happened i well i think you can and, and i enjoy writing that song right. but i've also felt in the past year or so that what i've been writing has been uh, a little bit boxed in it's been a little okay. bit tight and a little I, too I, narrow this a little too narrow Right. And and I, I I think there's some opportunities there to for me to to write some stuff that's a little different mm -hmm. and and not worry quite so much. Also, thing you can write less words. It might actually be able easier yeah. to write something if you're using less words. Mm -hmm. uh, perhaps I I, I did that uh, that song I sang last night, "Sweet Fantasy," was one that I tried to write with that kind of thing in mind. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and other people could kind of fill in the blanks from their own experience. Yeah. Another good technique, too, and I know I do this, and I think a lot, I probably picked it up from somebody, but if you write a song that's very descriptive and very obviously from a certain place, you can make a metaphor, you can make it a metaphor either in the punchline of the last verse, and then it becomes sort of more universal. Yeah. So it's probably not commercial, but if you're playing to a listening crowd or a crowd that likes the story thing or you know a house concert audience that's going to like hang on your every word, it's probably fine. You know, if you're playing like a showcase in Nashville where maybe somebody's going to walk in the room and want to pick up one of your songs, maybe it should be more open-ended. But it's all, it's what you write. And it's probably good, like you're, like you're, you're filling boxing, it's probably good to like try to like shift gears a little bit and try something different. I, I think mm -hmm. it is. I, I think it'll, I think it'll give me something different to think about, something mm -hmm. different to work on. But, you know, there's been a lot of very successful songs that have been nothing but a story, very specific uh -huh. uh, Big Bad John, you know. Me there's and Bobby this, McGee, Bad Bad <laughs> Leroy Brown. There's a, there's I mean, a, come on, there's <laughs> a million of them. You know, you, there's, you you learn the rules and you break them. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what's an example on on the on, on your CD? Never too late to do nothing at all. What's a good example of a very descriptive song? Um, you know, I I think I like it was des descriptive. Uh, you know, I I think I like the. Um, uh, <laughs> the name of it had had to go back. I think mm, is pretty mm -hmm. pretty descriptive. It, it 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 describes several settings where people are where they're dealing with addictions and addictive mm -hmm. behavior, and I yeah. think it describes uh, the three pretty good examples: you know, smoking and drinking and uh, and women. Mm -hmm. That all of us, uh, I, all of us have stepped in at one point mm -hmm. or another to some degree, and I know. And even I that, even though it's descriptive, it's also your people can apply their own you know baggage to it or whatever their own history to it so yeah yeah, yeah. so what's it like playing in mexico so describe your your basically your what, what's the bulk of your music experience you're, you're in mexico playing in playing restaurants yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and that's yeah that's what i that's what i do now there's several restaurants where i play uh, down in, in pescadero mm -hmm. and, and todo santos uh in, in todo santos i play in in one asian restaurant mm -hmm. uh, and uh and then Pescadero, I play at uh, Felipe's and mm -hmm. uh, Carlitos and uh, the Sandbar sometimes. And uh, although they cut out the live music, they had a reggae one Friday night. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, not much of an opportunity. So you're playing there. to like, is it you're playing to turistas or you're playing Primarily. to locals? Okay. Primarily, and and there's always a few there's always a few Mexicans in the audience, mm -hmm. and uh, and I'm actually working on a couple of Mexican songs. I was wondering because 
there, I really, I haven't really heard any in your in your repertoire, but it seems like an obvious thing. It it really is. Or throw in a verse in Spanish or something. Yeah, yeah. No, the one I'm working on right now is called uh, uh, Mariposa Traicionera. Mm -hmm. It's like traitorous butterfly, big hit for Mana. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it's a good song, and it's got all these very dramatic, uh, uh, very dramatic chord progression mm -hmm. through it that you're going to recognize. If I played that, you'd say, "Ooh, Latin." Nice. And, and it's good, but and that might spring you off into something different too. Entirely. Yeah. 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 I've had some trouble learning it, but uh, I'll, I'll have it. I'll have it in the repertoire. It's really good to leave your comfort zone. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. The chords are easy. But the uh, the words are, are a little bit difficult uh, mm -hmm. because I don't speak. My fluency in Spanish is limited, and, mm -hmm. and, and how and, and especially with their rhyming things, whew, you never know what yeah. you might be saying. And so uh, it's given me a little bit of trouble. But it's mm -hmm. a good song, and I'll have it. Uh, I'll have it for next year when you come back. Well, I'll have I'll have it in a couple of months when I'm back down in in, uh, okay. in Mexico. Cool. So, other plans for a second CD yet? Not, not in the works yet. Yeah, uh, you've got I, the material, but it's kind of like when's the right time and what do you want to do with it? I've got, I've, I've got, I've uh, probably have enough material, but I want to make sure that what I do on the next CD that every song is uh, is saying something. I'm going to be pickier with the material I use on the next CD. I'm in the same place. Uh, it, it, it's just uh, there's, you know, I, I, I'll just do that, and mm -hmm. I don't want to make, you know, it's never too late to do nothing at all. Part two. Right. And I want to I want to have something new, but I want to have it be consistent. So mm -hmm. there's kind of a, you know, you don't want to do something completely different. Then you get the story. Well, the first one was good, but uh, you know, What's the second this? one. Yeah. So I mean, then, then I lose my seven fans. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. <It's> like <laughs> I could lose my European by the European customer. I had those three copy. downloads from from Belgium. You know, I don't want to like. I don't want to <laughs> lose those people. They're my fan base. Yeah. Well, in addition to that, I mean, it's not like the market is exactly saturated with this one. So right. there's plenty of buy. There's plenty of customers out there to buy this yeah. CD. Yeah. So it's. Uh, I I think about it, but I haven't. I haven't done anything. Yeah. I'll, I'll make sure I've got a, a pretty significant number of songs to sort through That's and nice. pick out the material. And that was kind of a flippant one. segue, but obviously this last year, we both went to Far West last year, the, the Folk Alliance kind of West Coast Music Conference, and and you from there kind of started doing some internet marketing, you're getting some internet radio airplay. Yes, I've been I've been very pleased about that. The uh, uh, the internet, uh, the, the Roots Music Report has been very kind to me over the summer. I'm mm -hmm. not sure exactly exactly how they count everything but uh, my cd was number one on that chart through from, from end of may through the yeah, middle of july mm -hmm. yeah and they're yeah and, and the names on that are significant these for are example these are real people uh um <laughs> for example i haven't looked at it in a while uh derek trucks is on there mm -hmm. um uh Coco Montoya was on there. Uh, so you and, and a bunch thinking, of hacks. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. And I'm thinking, uh, it was Lena Horn, something that Lena Horn did. I mean, there were people, there were people on there that have been around. Right. Uh, the the Holmes brothers were on there. I displaced oh, wow. them at number one uh, at I one point. Uh, uh, Marsha Ball was on there. Uh, wow. You know, these yeah. are these are people. These are people I've paid. In actual actual money to sit in the audience and listen to. With a Ticketmaster service charge, like a real venue. With a, <laughs> a, real, a real venue where they made actual money. No tip jar going on there. Yeah. 
But yeah, yeah, there were some significant people on there. I'm picturing the homeless person in a tip jar. I just can't pick. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. so yeah. Anyway, I was very happy to. I was very happy to be on any chart anywhere. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's very cool. Very fun and. and uh, so it's been a good year. It's moving it, along. You know, it, it's I, I, I kind of keep track on a list of goals and targets to mm -hmm. hit, and I just keep it just one after another. Keep seem, yeah. seems to keep getting hit. And uh, the next one that I'm, I'm going to make a diligent effort at is get someone else to record to record one of my songs, and and I'll be taking that information that I, I got in Nashville and trying mm -hmm. to employ that and uh, yeah. and using my membership in the association to you know somehow lever that into something. Mm -hmm. I was wondering too, and I'm actually I know where I'm going with this because we were on, we were on KVMR together about a year ago, but I was going to ask the question anyway. Um, being that you're I don't think you're isolated down in Mexico, but you're sort of like away from a, a strong American influence, but there are some tourists, but you're not like immersed in our culture as much as you would be up here during the summer. Do you find you write more when you're by yourself or is it better to get out in front around people? Do yeah. you, I, I guess being down there, so you have time to work on your technique obviously and, and, you're, and you're playing, but is it good for your songwriting fodder or is it better to get out and, and like experience things? What do you think? I, I seem to have more songs going on when I get uh, well there's a number of things that prod that emotional experiences sure you know that's certainly one uh, right. leaving Mexico that seems to get some stuff going so it mm. gets me stuff going for here I've written I think three songs here mm -hmm. maybe four this summer and then and when I go back there's undoubtedly going to be another burst of things mm -hmm. uh, I had an idea for one today that uh, somebody mentioned I wrote it down in my book mm -hmm. and, uh, so it, it seems to me that the, the the change of venue is what stimulates things. Okay. Just, at, at and you're really good, and I think it's, it's something I've heard. You, you seem to be really good, and this is advice if you're listening and you're a songwriter or any kind of writer. You seem to be really good at writing everything down, writing ideas as they come along. I I do have I, I've got several, I've got several notebooks, and now. I don't keep. They're not in very good order. They're Have not very the well organized. You see my house, <laughs> but they're they're written down. These, and I got these little spiral notebooks. If you're looking I, at home, I'm looking, holding it in front of the microphone. But these little spiral notebooks, you know, buy yeah. them by the gross. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I've got I've, the stuff is written down. It's all mm -hmm. written down someplace. Some of it's on my wallet, on the back of a business card. Some of it's on the little notebook. I've got a little notebook there, eh, similar to this that someone gave me. It's actually kind of a bound thing. It's very nice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you got to write that stuff down, and, and sometimes what I think is going to transfer into a song transfers into a line, or transfers somehow into a verse. It mm -hmm. doesn't. Everything I write down doesn't turn into something. You know. On the other hand, that the title of the CD, "Never Too Late to Do Nothing at All," mm -hmm. I wrote that down in a book and had the song written by lunchtime, so I kind of wasted a Once page. Once in a while. <laughs> I gotta save that paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So sometimes <laughs> you never know. You, you you can't tell, and then and then of course you write the one, and, and it, you think it's going to be something, and it's nothing, and and mm -hmm. maybe you think it's nothing, and you think of the songs like "How Much Is That Doggy in the Window" and "One-Eyed, One-Horned, Flying Purple People Eater" that but actually was, made money. That actually made money, yeah. and I'd have pitched it if I'd have written it. But you probably would have too. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, Shea Bully did a lot of business with that uh, Flying Purple People Eater song. Yeah, and as far as the notebooks, I'm always amazed. That once in a while, just I'll go back and like thumb through an old notebook, thinking, "Oh, I'll find a song here." You find? I mean, I'll go through like a whole notebook, and it might have fodder for two songs out of the whole thing. But I think, 
and I've said this a lot of times in the show, and I, it probably relates to you too, is you just, I think it's good to be in the habit of writing everything down because you kind of keep that channel open. Yeah. It does. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good point. It does keep means if I've written something down, it means I'm thinking about writing a song. Mm-hmm. And if I'm thinking about writing a song, maybe I'm thinking about a second line right. tomorrow. And if I didn't write it down, the whole thing is gone. Yeah. And I'm dealing with that vacuum again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Breaking the inertia again. Mm-hmm. So so when you're heading back down south? Well, yeah, I was going to go next week, but I had this thing come up. And, and I'm going to be delayed. I'm not going to be leaving until probably for about another month. Hmm. And so uh, I, I was thinking, what am I going to do for a month? And I thought, well, I could drive back to Mexico and then fly up for this thing. And uh, it's actually some medical care, totally optional in nature with the VA. These guys are great. Hmm. Um, but I thought, you know, if I could just hang around here, I could take that money from the guitar yeah. and go to Hawaii. Oh, yeah. And so... I've been looking for my next place to live. Or Mexico so. isn't going to work forever, but there's inexpensive How long have you been there now? Uh, six years. Yeah. Yeah. So you thinking about coming back permanently, or are you just kind of like nosing around to see where you might end up? I've been nosing around the past two summers to see where I might end up. Yeah. And, uh, as, as cheap as property is now, it would be a good time to buy something, even if I didn't live in it for a while. Mm-hmm. But it would be cool to live in Hawaii. Southern Oregon was another choice, but I mean, yeah. and Idaho was another choice, but Idaho's off the list. But I mean, if you had a choice of those three places, mm-hmm. what might rise to the top for you? Well, All other things being equal. If you didn't factor in cost of living, you know, <laughs> why? And if really, if you're looking at, you know, writing and playing is sort of your quote-unquote retirement vocation i don't know what else you want to call it but it's like it's obviously it's what you're doing um i don't know maybe southern oregon because you're 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 you're, you're accessible to more venues there is that you know i mean i think last last year we were looking around clear lake which is sort of like central eastern california sort of but that, that didn't work out either and i was looking at clear lake and i was just uh, and we're actually in coloma right now actually talking outside and any place up here would just be golden. Ooh, man. Grass Valley, Nevada City, KVMR Radio, nicest people in the world. Um, you know, I, I know more people around here than I know any place I've ever lived. Well, and I've only my, been here a total my, of maybe 30 days well, in for the my, past three For my years. wife and I, not just the music connection, which is amazing, but we have other friends around here. Roseville, Citrus Heights. I mean, there's, there's, a, there's some music folk and there's just some friends from, like, you know, people like... A lot of barrier transplants, you know, and it's it's beautiful up here. It, it, it is. I scouted around a little bit last summer and, and found it unaffordable. But yeah. I may, I may, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and I, as I come through here again and I see all the people, I'm reminded of all the people I know in being at the Fist Festival. You know, I'm thinking, yeah, I may take another look mm-hmm. because it could be that my focus was wrong last year and it could be that if I refocus that uh, Mm-hmm. Search for a residence. I could find something. I don't need much. Nice yeah. single wide someplace on an acre would be perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How much could it possibly cost? And there's places to play. And there's just really, really nice people. Yeah. And yeah. this festival, the American River Music Festival. I haven't said, said, haven't said so already. Yeah. But uh, really fun. Oh, it's a, it's a very fun festival. It's uh, The artists are so accessible. You can talk to very famous people whose music you've listened to and, and bought. Yeah. And, uh, I was hanging out with... I was hanging out with Dana Hubbard this morning, um, giving him his backstage pass to get in to play his tweener, and we're, he, he actually drove me back to camp, and he goes, oh, look, there's Nina Gerber. And I'm like, wow, just a, 
played with Kate Wolf, amazing guitar player, and she's actually playing with Carla Bonoff tonight and tomorrow afternoon. So Dana pulls over and he goes, hey, Nina. And she's like, hey, Dana. And Dana goes, Michael, come meet, you know, <laughs> Nina Gerber. And I walked over. I go, I, I, I usually don't get starstruck, but I go, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> I've been listening to you for years. She goes, oh, thanks. And I met her dog. And, you know, but yeah, it's just a, it's a wonderful little festival. It's it, it, well, growing every year. You know? oh, oh, good, because they needed a few more people than last year to make a few bucks, make it financially workable. Yeah, these got to be tricky to put on and grow. But this, this is year four. But there's people here, and they're in fact at the open mic last night. Um, when I was bantering, kind of filling in time, I said, "How many are here for the first time?" And really, like about a third of the room raised their hand. Mm. And I said, how many were here last year in like half the room? And how many have been here, been here all four years and the hands were over? So there are new people coming. So that's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll be glad to see them. Uh, they need, I want to see them be successful. Right. In fact, our clan have a, have a lot of, have, I'm still good with the English language. Our clan got a lot of new people here this year, too. So that's good. So I'm hoping everybody else is doing sort of the same thing. Yeah. I hope so. I hope so, too. But to a degree. You don't want them to be overly successful. We have right. thousands of people here, and, right, uh, right, right, right? You know, right uh, we lose that flavor. Mm. So you head back in a month, and you'll come by the Wooden Nickel, play the open mic if you're around. You know, I, yeah, I will. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's one of my. It was, it was the first place I ever played in well, front the story, of an I actual do the, audience. I was going to do it in the intro, but I'll talk about it now. <laughs> is that Greg came by the Wooden Nickel open mic that I run in Watsonville every month, and and he said, "Yeah, I just I got a chance to play this uh, hot enchilada." Mm. And I was at a party, and he asked me to come play. I haven't really played in front of anybody before, so I thought I'd come here and play tonight and try it out and did a couple of songs. And I'm like, and I, I went up there afterwards. I said, because you were so smooth, you were so comfortable just telling your stories, introducing your songs. <laughs> and I said, you're lying. You've been doing this forever. And I, no, I just, this is my first time doing this. And you know. I could feel the beads of sweat trickling down yeah, my rib cage. You're a natural. <laughs> still, still. <laughs> that was a great night. That was what four years ago. Oh that no, was, it's been more than four. It's been. Uh, it's been. It's been five. I've been retired for six, so it's been a year more than that. So as we would doubt, better if we're back there in that. Uh, we go back seven six, years. I think we Holy do. Holy crap! I think we do. Time goes by. It's scary. I know. Watch out. Well, yeah. You, yeah, you get no, gray in a beard, you know. No, I'm, I'm getting grays now, and I can't pluck them out fast when they grow in. I'm yeah. giving up. Yeah, I tried some kind of dye for a while, but it made my skin break out and shit, so now I got this gray beard. My friend Wallace <laughs> says, he goes, don't worry about getting gray embrace. And I go, I don't want to embrace it, damn it. I don't want to embrace it. No. Hey, when I embraced the thing with the hair, I cut off the gray fringe, and so I got a yeah. totally bald dome. Way better look than this gray fringe going around. This is covering the circumference of my head. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, as far as music, GregKitchell.com, Kitchell with one L. You've got a blog too. Where's your blog? I, at? I do have a blog. You can get to it if you go to uh, go to my Facebook uh, page, and you okay. can click on the blog connection there. It'll take take you right to it. I enjoy your writing, so keep writing, well, thank keep you. playing, and we'll see you probably at the wooden nickel in a couple of weeks. We'll do, and the wooden nickel. Uh, if I'm still around, I'll play over at the. Uh, at, at, uh, uh, Jansen Music is mm -hmm. another good spot, and uh, I'm very pleased Jody could sell my guitar over there. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but yeah, that's a good spot. So I'll play as many open mics as uh, you know, any place to get out in front of the audience. Mm -hmm. It's really a place to fine tune new material. Cause exactly. Then you'll, I, then you'll head south for the for the winter. Yeah. 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 Hit the cantinas and the touristas. Hit the cantinas and the touristas. Hang out on the beach and uh, let it sweet down. Life there. is good. 
Life is good. Cool. Life is easy. Life is. I think I got that on my. No, it's on the other T-shirt. Life, life is, good. is good. Cool. Well, let's barbecue and play some music, shall we? Let's do it. All right. Eat and barbecue and playing music. Life is very hard at a music festival. Once again, that was Greg Kitchell talking about uh, living in Mexico, coming back here and playing, and types of songwriting styles, and how we met seven years ago at the Wooden Nickel Open Mic, which I'm still running. Wow, that was a long time ago. And that did take place at the American River Music Festival, which is coming up again this year, September 16th, 17th, and 18th. The... uh, I think it's the perfect weekend for a festival because it's not too warm, it's not too cold, <clears throat> everything's just perfect, and there's some wonderful people putting this thing on again for the fifth year. Um, I'll be up there again. I'm hosting the uh, Songwriter Showcase on Friday night, uh, and on the main stage this year, the, the acts include James McMurtry, the Austin Band Band of Heathens, who I just talked to for a podcast interview a couple of days ago. Uh, Jill Knight Trio, Paul Cam, Eleanor McDonald, Band of Heathens, the Brothers Comatose, just a, a really nice lineup of great festival acts. The thing I like about this festival, too, is besides the music on the main stage, there's something going on every night in every campground, and there's hiking and rafting. There's just a whole bunch of really cool stuff going on. You can find out more about that by going to AmericanRiverMusic.org, and there's ticket prices and camping information and everything you might want to need to know about the American River Music Festival. And again, you'll be hearing about it more in this podcast in the next couple of months. So however you found me, whether it was on my site, my mailing list, iTunes, or perhaps you caught this, you're catching this right now on Grateful Dread Radio or KC Cafe Radio. I really appreciate your time for listening. And uh, coming up next, I think we'll be talking with, yes, we will, according to the CD that's sitting on top of my desk, Megan Slankard, Bay Area singer-songwriter Megan Slankard, who I talked to a couple of weeks ago. We'll be talking about her newest release, which is called, as I casually reach over to grab it, a Token of the Wreckage. It's a great CD. I've been playing it quite a bit, and she was just a, a really wonderful person to visit with. We talked backstage at Don Quixote's. That'll be coming up next in a couple of weeks on Songs and Stories. And if you want to find out more about this show, you can email me, michael at michaelgather.com, or just visit the website. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com. Thanks again. I really appreciate your time. Take care.